0: Hello. This is Chat10Looks3 in an undisclosed (laughs) uh, tropical holiday location. (laughs) All we can tell you is that we're drinking champagne out of extremely dubious glasses.
1: (laughs) I gave sales the good glass because we're in my room. Um, Which had her
0: toothbrush in it before I it. It had a number of toothbrushes
1: in it, but I washed it. (laughs) And I am drinking uh, quite nice champagne out of a plastic cup that one of my children um, had an apple juice in this morning. Why are we talking like sotto voce? Because my child is, like, sidelined with something um, and your child is sleeping in a pram outside and neither of us really want to uh, wake them up because we are um, about to watch the first presidential debate. So we've spent quite a bit of time jerry-rigging a funny old television and we have a picture and we have sound. And um... And we have a
0: tropical paradise just outside (laughs) our door. Which 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 we've to (laughs) forego. Oh,
1: boom, zoom, into the room. Ooh. It's going to happen. Um, so <laughs> anyway, here we are waiting. It's about to start. So um, your expectations, Sales? Do you have any? <laughs> Low? I was, I'm expecting to see... How exciting must Hofstra University be today oh. as a place to be? Every yeah. It would just be a wear a smile day, wouldn't it,
0: in that institution? <laughs> I am expecting to see that Trump will be... Um, if he just shows even the slightest grasp of any policy detail, he'll be. Everyone will be commentating like, "Wow, that was amazing! He showed a bit of grasp of policy detail." Whereas I feel like Hillary Clinton, if she shows just a masterful grasp of policy detail, everyone will go, "Yeah, well, that's what she's like."
1: That lady could calculate pi to about 400 places, and everybody go, <laughs> "So boring with the details, shemitales!" God, shut up already. What are your expectations? Yeah, I think um, it's interesting to watch Hillary's kind of people in the last few days have been really. Um, doing a lot of Trump is a ferociously great debater because he slayed all those other Republican candidates like they're doing a bit of expectations management. I mean, people expect him to be a total dunderplunk to and, and for her to be, um, you know, in control of everything, as you say. Mm. Um, I mean, the the main thing that will be interesting is to see how he approaches this. Presumably, given that he's been um, coached by Roger Ailes, he'll just grab Hillary's tits, but, you know. (laughs) Has he been coached by Roger Ailes? Correct. Oh, my God. That's That's what he's doing with his spare time from his $40 million payout. By the way, how is it that the guy who does the sexual harassing gets $40 million payout and the chick who got sexually harassed gets $20 million? I will never understand that. Anyway, red pantsuit.
0: Hillary Clinton at does does the wave point with the open mouth? Like, yeah. I'll
1: show you that. Oh, yeah, with the open mouth. She should have just gone the squirrel grip, grip from the first minute, just said, this is how I'm going to play it, sport. Okay, blue tie versus red pantsuit. Bring it on. We'll talk to you afterwards.
0: Well, I think Chat 10 has actually reached new heights for our outside broadcasting uh, (laughs) opportunities, don't you think? Yes, we've uh, completed the debate and repaired to a tropical bar setting. (laughs) It's very, very pleasant indeed, although I will admit it is about 48 hours later.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, see, I wasn't going to mention that.
0: (laughs) That's how long it's taken us to um, get around to hooking up again and actually being bothered to do anything other than just lounging by the pool and and chilling out. We're currently waiting for a pair of gigantic cocktails
1: <laughs> wow you're, a, you're really in a disclosure <laughs> frame of mind aren't you
0: also she's naked Ah, <laughs> oh, please um, now I was thinking before um, well given that we started off talking about the debate we probably yeah. should finish well should we talk about that or... yeah yeah okay. totally okay. I'm dying to talk about okay. it okay. we had to run
1: off and attend to thousands of children and so we haven't actually had a chance to deconstruct probably true okay fire so. away well, I mean, you were saying before we watched it that, um, uh, you know, that she had a kind of higher bar to jump, and I think that that is true. Um, the thing that absolutely stunned me throughout the whole experience as Donald Trump went from sort of, you know, punchy to just sort of stumbling about, um, and the, the greatest tweet that I saw during the um, <laughs> during the debate was, I don't know who, who engineered it in the beginning, but it was something like... Um, Donald Trump is the like, like the guy who's dropped acid at a wedding. He's held together for 20 minutes, but now he's just wandering around touching people's hats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The thing that I thought she had put so much preparation into and she absolutely pulled it off was the utter composure of Hillary Clinton's expression throughout. Like, she obviously allowed herself to go between sort of indulgent smiles, a sort of business-like expression, and nothing beyond that. It's like, if you were in that debate at some point, you'd just be throwing up your hands, you'd be rolling your eyes, you'd be saying... So, you
0: know. I wonder how much in the debate prep with her staff they'd be like, no, I'm sorry, ma'am, I'm going to have to stop you there. That was snarky bitch face. No, I'm oh, sorry, you got to lose No. No, that was your clown
1: face. I'm sorry. Is, like he can be as
0: crazy as he likes, but she only has to
1: roll her eyes once, and that's the image of that debate, don't you
0: reckon? Absolutely. And I said to you, actually, while the debate was going on, um, could you imagine if their demeanours were switched? Yeah. And he was cool and calm and never getting flustered and she was like just this heightened sort of passion and emotion and all the rest and she hectoring and him, hectoring jumping, interrupting and interrupting oh, she'd, and be oh hell
1: of an <laughs> interruption okay two <laughs> drinks with cherries in them have just arrived thank, thank you thank you thank you very thank much you. yum um, that one's here I think <laughs>
0: thank you <laughs> thank you very much enjoy thank you thank you Cheers. Ooh, wow, these gigantic oh, That is in a plastic cup. They look as well, like if anyone's seen the orgasm scene in Muriel's wedding, let her finish your orgasm. <laughs> that looks like what Crab's drinking right in now. In fact,
1: let's just take a picture of ourselves. Good thinking.
0: This situation. Ooh. Let's see if
1: my phone, absolutely unused for several days, has got any battery left. Oh, good news. Good news. It's got just about enough for a stupid All selfie. Right,
0: here we go. Sunglasses on, I think, for that popular <laughs> field. Oops, should we him. just, should we like Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. We're doing what? like honeymoon snake arms. <laughs> <laughs> There's a limit to hell. Oh,
1: Christ, I was
0: my lap. <laughs> oh, man. Very good. I've now got a lap Sorry, lap. I know that was extremely boring radio. Oh, yeah, I was actually. But I've now got a lap full of whatever the big goddamn <laughs> that thing is called. <laughs> You're going to come home stinking of coconut and alcohol, okay. and Jeremy's <laughs> going to be like, what have you been doing? Uh, yeah, I so I, in U.S. politics. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we needed a drink. Um, yeah, carry on. So wow, that just actually
1: smells like roof oil.
0: That's why I can't have coconut in the no, drinks, because it makes me think of. Um, I think it's too much like sunscreen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that is 100% sunscreen. <laughs>
1: anyway, sunscreen with a dash of fake work. cherry. So, um,
0: uh,
1: yeah, so the the amount of times that he just sort of interrupted, harangued her, and, like, went off like a great big shaggy dog and a big gallop around the paddock. Like, imagine (laughs) the sort of solecisms that spilled from his lips over the course of that debate were just like enough to kill an ordinary candidate ten times over, you know, like that stuff about, well, after I set up a racist set of flats, I I later built a set of flats that that wasn't racist, so where's my medal?
0: What about the, uh, when she went through in great detail how he had numerous tradies that he never paid for work, one of whom was in the audience, and he said, well, I just took advantage of the laws of this country. (laughs) was like, wow, I know know, it's 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 fantastic. Smart, smart,
1: that's what that's called.
0: Yeah, that was really quite something. And as you say, the thing that is really astonishing me watching this is how the rules have completely changed. He has done numerous things, innumerable things in this campaign that would normally see a candidate out. Um, It'd be like, like Mitt you know, Romney would be watching this and just going, I just
1: said something a bit snooty at a dinner yeah, one time. Yeah, just that one time. And that yeah. was enough to finish
0: me off. But, you know, it's it was interesting listening to him. The first probably 20 minutes I was thinking, wow. Before she's the drugs in some, kicked in. Before the, before the LSD really took over. Um, I was thinking, wow, she could be in a bit of trouble here because his opening... Um, thing about jobs are going offshore and, and this is it's ruining our country and blah blah blah. That is a very emotive message and it's one that people hear and they think, yes, that's what's happening in my town and they connect with it. And then she started replying in a very Kevin Rudd-esque manner by saying well, the United States has 5% of the world's population and yet we have to trade with the other 95%. And she went into this sort of and then she's talking about trickle-down economics. I'm just thinking, oh my god, like anyone listening to this it has no emotional connection or point of relatability at all because she's talking about sort of
1: macroeconomic policies. Exactly. Like he's saying, Mexicans are stealing our jobs. The Chinese right. are stealing our currency, you know, like it's this it's an incredibly visceral line that he takes and it's not like rational. But it's also totally rational to... Oh, it's totally rational if you've lost your job in Ohio or whatever. And it's also centred around the person. Mm. And I just sort of thought, I kept wishing she'd just say, and I know that it's the most lame thing of all to be a non-presidential candidate saying, well, you know, what she needs to do, or, you know, (laughs) it's like the worst kind of Monday morning quarterbacking. But wished that she would interrupt him at that point and say, okay then, so what's your plan here? Would you like American salaries to fall to mm. the level of Mexican manufacturing workers' wages? Like, is that is that how we're going to do this? How we keep the jobs yeah. here.
0: Yeah, I know. There was a bit of... She'd obviously been, I thought, told to not interrupt him because she'd In. look like a nag
1: yeah.
0: and he had interrupted her all the time. Actually, which reminds me, and because we're, you know, remote locale, like I haven't been looking at the internet or anything, so I'm not sure what the what the reaction was to that, that um, whole thing. But I thought the moderation was woeful. It was just... He was not pulled up on his constant interrupting, Trump this is, even when they... Because they'd have their, like, two-minute spiel where they'd get to answer something where you're meant to be allowed to go uninterrupted and then the sort of debate and the rebuttal and whatnot starts. He just interrupted constantly and was not called on it. And I just thought it was... It was also a thing where he would be asked a question clearly not answer it, and the moderator never said, can I draw you back to the original question, blah, blah, blah. I, I just thought it was really bad. But, I mean, look, I don't know, maybe the rules stipulate that the moder- moderator can only have X number of interjections or something. There's that...
1: a weird thing that's going on in the US, don't you think, with the whole rise of fact-checkers, you know, like because they've got all of these organisations, like, and we, we to a certain extent um, have evolved them here as well, but it's been, it's sort of led to this interesting divergence between sort of Fact checking and interviewing. Mm. And you know, even several times during um, the debate, Hillary Clinton said, Oh, you know, at, at hillaryclinton.com or, or whatever it is, we're going to be, we've got a team of fact checkers that are going to be doing a live mm. you know, fact check of what Donald Trump's saying. And so every now and again, he'd say something ludicrous and she'd say, Get on it, fact checkers. Just think, Well, I don't know. You could have a crack as well. Like a <laughs> well, exactly. And sometimes I think that in the, the fact-checking industry is so evolved in um, the US that often interviewers defer to fact-checking as well, remember? like um, I don't know, like there was this big fuss a, a week or two ago um, when Matt Lauer interviewed um, Donald Trump at some, I don't know, town hall or something, and there was this huge kind of uproar because he didn't, pick him up on a few, like, reasonably obvious things that Trump said during the course of this exchange. And I wonder if there is this sort of almost mental bifurcation now between the roles of journalists and the roles of fact-checkers where you sort of go, well, my job is to answer the question, ask the questions and the fact-checkers will, you
0: know, work out later whether this guy's... Which, if that's true, it's yet fiction. another disturbing development in <laughs> modern journalism. But, look, I... But, I mean, like... without not wanting to blow a rum cocktail up your <laughs> posterior. Like if someone... Like you would prepare
1: for a... If oh you, if you had one God. crack at a prime ministerial or a presidential candidate yeah. as an interviewer, oh. you'd be all over, you know, or what even, their
0: stance was on the Iraq war, you know. Oh, God. I, I, unbel- all of those key questions like the Iraq war or uh, certain economic policies, NAFTA, CAFTA, those things, you would have prepped within an interview of your life. Every you don't want st- to know where they stood on <laughs> BAFTA. That's right. Well, Is it really <laughs> the equivalent of the Oscars? <laughs> um, <laughs> No, I think um, I had a BAFTA for a while. Oh, you had one. Yeah. Really? Yep. Whose was it?
1: Um, Nobody. <laughs> it's made up. <laughs> a friend of mine um, went to work on my Wikipedia and gave me a BAFTA along with a couple of other wow. invented
0: honours. Oh, hilarious! <laughs> it's That's disappointing well, how uh, short a time that lasted. <laughs> But someone, I mean, someone corrected it and took it off. Totally, yeah. Uh, and you think, well, like, looking, what person in the people. world
1: is a big enough loser to be sitting on my Wikipedia page? <laughs> like, a fact-checking whether or not I have a BAFTA, although, obviously, it wouldn't take a lot of thought. But, but Wikipedia is one of the great miracles of the modern age. Oh, right? I completely agree.
0: I think it's fantastic. It's, it's sort of actually effective democracy in action, unlike US politics. I know.
1: <laughs> but it's I also think, like a terrifying um, demonstration of you know, how threatening journalism is because you see the amount and the depth of work that people are prepared to do for free. Like, oh, yeah. Wikipedia now, for all of its, you know... And all has a BAFTA. Bullshit. It's um, no, is, is one of the great resources of the modern well, world. Well, there's no
0: doubt the hive mind applying itself to yeah. an interview with Donald Trump is better than mine or yours or Matt Lauer's because it's just going to have more knowledge. That's I was going to say before about moderating and interviewing... I think the role of – if I have two politicians on the show, I think my role is different then to when I'm interviewing one politician yeah. because I think my role in, in that case, if there's two people, is not to necessarily be – if it's absolutely egregious, I will. But generally, it's not my job in that position, I don't think, to rebut what one person yeah. says. It's my job to give the other person the opportunity to yeah. do it. And so sometimes I'm – uh well, being absolutely – scrupulous that they get the same Absolutely, exactly. And I think um, sometimes when I'm doing that, when there's two people, I'll, I'll myself see an opportunity for one of them where there's a gigantic hole in their argument or a factual inaccuracy. I will throw it to the other person yeah. thinking that's where they, they should seize on that and then they don't. Go, lassie. But then I don't think it's my job if they are not good enough or because yeah. they're brief enough to actually fix that. Yeah then I think in that context, it's that's not my job. It's their job to point it out. But I think in an interview where it's a one-on-one, it's totally my job. Where it falls down is you're not infallible as the interviewer and you only know what you know. Yeah. And so sometimes people on Twitter will have a go at me and go, oh, well, so-and-so claimed that blah, 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 you should have corrected that. But I don't have a complete knowledge of every single thing in the universe. I know all of the obvious you know, things, or if it's an interview with a leader, I will have prepped a lot and I should be able to pick them up on You know, misleading statements or factual inaccuracies or whatever. But I don't know every last detail of agriculture policy or defence policy from the 80s or whatever, so I can't possibly correct every single. Inaccuracy on or the hot
1: sporting allegiances, for instance, <laughs> another yawning yeah. hole in your personal expertise. <laughs> Precisely. What? Rugby was, and also I don't
0: have. I can't just pause the interview on live TV and go. Just allow me to check that on the yeah. internet, like everyone at home can. So mm. there's a there's an issue there. But having said that, you know Matt Lauer doing a one-on-one, which I didn't mm. see. I would have thought he would have spent an entire week, every waking minute trying to get across, yeah, and preempting what he would think Donald Trump might say and all of the rest of it, but anyway, I'm looking, I found it very compelling TV, I'm looking forward to. And also I
1: thought, um, you know, time and again over the course of it, I thought, oh, why is she missing, like, why is she letting him go on and on, and then afterwards I did see quite a bit of analysis about how, you know, that was their strategy, was for him to just kind of wander around give him enough place rope. touching people's hats and you know like yeah, but see was... that's
0: been their whole campaign strategy yeah. and I would argue that that has yeah. been a bit flawed yeah. like I just don't know that giving somebody else all the oxygen is the way to go in this case because it's been shown that he's just that's what the Republicans did in the nomination process yeah, as well, and it was yeah. just shown he just gathered more and more pace. It's because he's actually, um,
1: he's an articulator of concerns and totally, and so exactly.
0: Yeah. No solutions, but he yeah. correctly articulates what everyone's worried about.
1: You, you get to a point in politics where you become too expert, like, there's a real sort of thing about him being you know, unqualified for office because he doesn't have this sort of vast trail of administrative experience, but what several decades of administrative experience gives you is this real caution where you won't say something, yeah. you know, like your language you make your language colourless because your experience indicates that to speak colourfully will commit you to future action that you have to renege upon and that's kind of the number one in the lexicon of things you don't do right, yeah so you speak in this sort of extruded luncheon meat
0: of just generalities 100% a well, there was, that was exactly yesterday Hillary Clinton Drink. we were laughing this thing
1: tasting nicer the further I get through it is that just the rum or is that
0: I think it's the rum um Hillary Clinton did exactly that yesterday you could see her almost everything out of her mouth her mind tick over to think how's that going to play which is a problem I think because it does take away from authenticity but she said she was talking about someone Trump hadn't paid being a draper and yes. she said my father was a draper um is it or is it dry parra? Draper. I think it's Draper. Or maybe a drapery consultant. <laughs> My father was a drapery consultant. But, um, and then she, I don't know if she thought maybe there would be something misconstrued about it. Like she followed it up like almost instantly by going, he provided a, a solid middle class upbringing for us. Like as if maybe she was going to be criticized for implying that she was downtrodden or yeah, that she was know. poking fun at drapers or something. I don't know. But she clearly thought, oh, I need to somehow qualify that. It. it was like, what, why? What are you, what are you doing here? Why are we going down this sort of path of what sort of an upbringing drapery sort of there's
1: anything wrong with that. Not that anyone would think there's anything wrong with that. But I did like, quite like that line where he was sort of off on some adult line about how you was perfectly fine not to pay people who did work for you. And um, she then said, and it was sort of like a, quite a rare for her great human moment that had a lot of political impact as well. She just said really kind of composedly, I'm just really pleased that my father never did business with you.
0: And I guess that's sort of thing about Trump, Billy, you wouldn't ever want to be... Well, and you'd be hoping that people at home would maybe go, yeah, geez, I'm glad my dad didn't do business with that guy either. Like, it goes to the heart of also just... I mean, Hillary Clinton has some trust issues, of course, but Donald Trump does too, I think, because, I mean, really? This sort of a guy pays own workers who's declared bankruptcy six times, you reckon can you're going to trust to solve some of these gigantic political and economic problems they both guys. Although, she's the lady who gets paid I don't know how much for a speech, and
1: that, that whole Clinton Foundation oh, the way a,
0: that it She's oh the, the my person God, who hides like, pneumonia not. in the middle of the campaign. It's just like, man. Anyway, um, now, I was thinking before there was something I wanted to ask you about, which was, what do you reckon is... I was thinking about how I choose my holiday reading. Do you have any particular... Thing because I'll let me me share with you mine. Hmm. Um, I either like pacey, sort of page turner, doesn't require much thought, you don't think about it after it's finished, but it's easy, like thriller, which I've done, knocked over one of those, or I like something that I feel like okay, I really need some time to get into this and to concentrate. And the only time I'm ever going to do that is on holidays. So, one holiday in the past, I read uh, Anna Karenina because I thought okay, I need some actual time to dedicate to that, and I don't want to be interrupted. this time I've so gone trash. on holidays trash.
1: with children? And having... No, it was like... pre-children. Yeah, no, right. no, this no, time the I've just gone the,
0: go the nonsense reads. Yeah. I'll talk about in a sec. But do you have um, any algorithm?
1: Well, I, I love the idea of um, taking a classic and really messing with it, like, you know, getting into it. Because, I mean, the thing about those sorts of books, like Anna Karenina or, you know, one of the greatest books of all time in my book, um, Middlemarch, you know, right. that are these sort of... Long, sprawling
0: Vanity Fair um, is another one I did. Yes, yeah, Vanity Fair.
1: Um, they, they are kind of intimidating because you know that they are, you know, such famous books. Yeah. They are big, long books, and you just think. When you jump into them, oh, am I going to be able to do this book justice? But yeah. What they both, what they, all of the above mentioned are, are these incredibly gripping mm. stories. Yeah. And Anna Karenina, Anna Karenina is just it zips along. It, it zips along, but it also is the, the most extraordinary portrayal of a woman by a man. Like, can you just? Yeah.
0: Think,
1: far out. Some of these Russian writers are just oh, they're
0: phenomenal. Yeah. But um, would he get smashed today? Because people would go cultural appropriation. Why should oh, a man be writing the story of a woman? Probably. But I just it's. Massively impressive, just mm. like a, a
1: really profound um, portrayal, and she's an incredible character. But um, um, reminds me of what was um, what was that TV series, the ABC
0: TV series, oh, yeah. that was, that Beautiful
1: Lives. That was it. Y- was that what it was called? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Sarah
0: Snook, redheaded girl, yes. married to Roger Corsa. Yeah. Um, yeah. She left Isn't Roger Corsa know? for that skanky dude. That, come on. <laughs>
1: well, that was supposed to be a modernisation, wasn't it?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, so dipping into the classic
1: um, so, yeah, I love a bit of that, but yeah, you're right, you kind of you need you need a bit of time to do that. I like to take some non-fiction as well, and um, mm-hmm. I've been reading this such a cool book that I started reading on holiday many years ago because my friend had brought it on holiday and I, you know that awkward thing where your friend is reading this book that looks great and you're like, can you hurry <laughs> yeah, with that book because it looks so awesome. Yeah. So I actually, um, my friend Stephen Brooke had this book on holiday I don't know, a decade ago or something and um, I read a bit of it and was so transfixed and then I, um, I sneakily went and bought it on eBay or something um, a couple of months ago, so I thought I'm going to take that on holiday. Um, and it's called Where the Suckers Moon. know oh. Weird, yeah. Where the Suckers Moon. And it's a book about advertising. Oh, it's yeah. a book about what happened when Subaru, whose, um, whose sales were flagging in the United States, decided to change their advertising agency. So the writer, who's in the States to me, I'm afraid, just a minute, um, got in on the ground floor and covered Subaru's recruitment of a new advertising agency. Oh, fantastic. And so there was like about 25 agencies. Like every ad agency in America wants a car account, right? Um, Even if it's Subaru, which is a bit sort of like the slightly down-at-heel economical vehicle that people didn't necessarily think of as a sort of like hot, racy car. Right. Um, So 25 agencies put in a bid for this business and the book is the story of all their different pictures oh, and how they right. did it and how Subaru responded and then the agency going forward with the um
0: And was it well done? The, was it interesting? Oh it's fascinating.
1: Like I mean right. I don't care about cars as you know. But um I think you like advertising though. I do like advertising, yeah. yeah. So I just it's it's just it's one of those classic, really well done insider accounts. Oh, like, you okay. know, we both share a weakness for those mm. insider um things.
0: And it's it's very it's very much about cars and advertising, but it's just it's a great human drama. So, interestingly, we were both talking last night about you did law at university, mm. and I've just over the course of my career, having done, been, lots having of, been sued by them, <laughs> <laughs> having done, lots, having Since been tried for time. murder several yeah. times.
1: <laughs> that um, time you
0: shot a guy in Reno just to watch him die. <laughs> we were both saying any sort of. Immersion into law or the study of law that we've done, um, we would be completely sidetracked by the story that would form the basis of some precedent, and we'd yeah. be like, "No, I just want more of the story. Tell me more about the snail and the ginger beer. Yeah. How did that woman feel when she became you know better And that was why we're journalists if, if and you not lawyers.
1: A, if you got a rash from your new underpants. Why would you say about that? <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> Wouldn't you just put an on and just Shut up. <laughs> but that is like these are the cases. I mean, like the case that you're talking about, which is this famous torts case called Donoghue and Stevenson. It's about these two ladies catching the train to Paisley in Scotland and they buy on the train or in the cafe after they get off the train, they buy a dish of ice cream. They each get a dish of ice cream and they share a bottle of ginger beer which they pour over each of their ice creams and they eat it and then one of them gets horribly sick. And the question is, was there a decomposing snail in (laughs) in the bottle of ginger beer that made one of them sick? And if so... Was that the manufacturer's responsibility to make sure that the ginger beer was not poisoned by the body of a decomposing snail? Now, this is like a really tiny case, and these women, you know, will be sort of lost to history, except it's become the defining case um, about manufacturers' manufacturers' liability. And right. So fabulous to think of these two completely oh. anonymous women who are two of the most, you know. Um, the, that they are these sort of incredibly significant um, plaintiffs yeah. in this whole giant area of um, torts law. It's so fascinating. But it's like that
0: book. Uh, the title of it escapes me. It's the something of Henrietta Lack. Um, it's about. It was quite well known a few years ago. We'll we'll find. Oh, we've got to. We better. I was going to say we'll find it and put it on the website, but that's another story. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the. Um, You'll be doing it yourself, love. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Never going to happen. The, uh, oh, what was it called? The Anyway, it was basically about a woman whose um, genetic material was taken and ended up forming the basis for all sorts of pharmaceutical drugs and her family, which which was completely poor, and they had no idea that this had happened. And yet, I mean, just it was patented. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of medical things were possible thanks to this woman's particular... Medical thing, I can't remember, sorry, anything about it, but it, it was a really interesting book that I should have researched. That sounds
1: awesome. <laughs> I we'll fix it all up and edit. Yeah, Is right. this the right time have- to explain? Yeah. yeah, so
0: Brendan finally just. God Has cracked it. Yeah, he's cracked it. He's gotten sick of us. He's gotten sick of us not plugging the website. He's gotten sick of us not plugging to do an iTunes interview. He's gotten sick of us just... Forgetting the microphones was the Forgetting the, the microphones was, that was that the final really straw, is... sending some bad quality audio. He just got sick and tired of now, it. Now, much as
1: we have teased Brendan, he has put up with an enormous amount, and um, that website that we never direct you to, um, <laughs> which is... Www. I don't know if we should... Should we direct them now? Yeah, just... Okay. I mean, confront life with the smile sales. It'll work out. <laughs> but... Um, The reason that website looks so great is because Brendan put it together and he had great hopes for this podcast and the frankly shambolic way in which we conduct ourselves (laughs) has led him to conclude that perhaps he could do other things with his life rather than spend hours and hours a
0: week putting that stuff up. Fair enough. uh, I think he thought by this stage we would probably own this resort and not be nearly holidaying here and we've sadly let him down. So Brendan's role has been taken now by somebody who wishes to be remain who wishes to remain anonymous, but who should be known as Brenda? Brenda. <laughs> Welcome, so on Brenda. your Brenda, you can't say you, she can't say she wasn't warned, that we are not, you know, super great. Brenda is a librarian though, and so she has
1: like vast reserves of tolerance and um, <laughs> quiet reserve and calm, not that Brendan doesn't but she has decided to put her neck in the noose anyway, so
0: thank you Brenda and
1: thank you Brendan. more
0: What about, when, see when Brenda like pulls up stumps, we're going to run out of oh. the Brendan Brenda sort of names, mm. we're going to have to go for something different Brandon yeah. maybe,
1: mm-hmm. I don't know Anyway, don't worry about these things in advance either. Okay, um, back to books though Yeah, back um, to books, Wait, um, so you um, talking about Are you reading that, thrillers.
0: so hang on, are you reading that Subaru one on this holiday?
1: Yeah, look I read it. I, I read, um, oh. A couple of chapters of it. Keep in mind I've read it, you know, quite a bit of it before. Um, and then um, our friend Stephen, who um, didn't bring any books because he just only packed snorkels, um, kept looking at it. And so I've given it to him to read because that's how I got hooked on it,
0: was like a different nicking Steven. it from somebody else. Yeah, another Stephen. Um, and so the circle's complete. Also, I think, I, can I just interrupt with a diversion about our friend Stephen, who I think has probably had line of the holiday, which was last night I ordered something to eat, which came with avocado pasta. Mm. And I said to you how, you, how do you make pasta out of avocado? Like, how do you get it to sort of hold shape? And he said, so, "It's not ridiculous, it's not the pasta that's made out of avocado, you get regular pasta and there's like an, an avocado sauce. It was, very, idea, it? it was very popular in the 80s. I'm amazed you didn't have it in Queensland, to which Stephen piped up in the 90s. <laughs> This <laughs> is very amusing. You should have given him a what school did you go know to again? As- Aspley State High. Yeah, you should have
1: him an old Aspley State <laughs> High nose head jab, whatever it is. But, Chinese burn or something.
0: Yeah, um, um, yeah. So,
1: so thrillers. about crunchy thrillers, mm-hmm. I have started on and am just massively enjoying Head yep. Sparrow,
0: Oh, yep. is, by but, Jason Matthews.
1: Yeah. So it is a um, it is a bit of a notorious holiday read. I have been. Um, I think last Christmas holidays, I was in the company of somebody who just could barely put it down, like was just carrying it around everywhere. And I thought, I'm going to read that because I love a bit of a... um Plot-driven, racy read, and you
0: know um, I banged on and on about it too. You I think. did.
1: Oh yeah. man, I'd forgotten that you. Because <laughs> I listen to you so rarely now. Oh, just, but anyway, um, so I'm really enjoying that, and Great. also because I've just concluded. Here's where I just genuflect to you, sales. Um, I've just finished season four of the Americans. Ah, uh,
0: yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. So I, you'd I be really. What I am
1: uh, oh. watching the last bit of the series before we came away because I thought I cannot think... bear to. Oh, yeah, and so Red Sparrow is about. Um, it's about um, kind of contemporary era, um, yeah. Soviet versus U.S. sort of diplomacy and um, spying, and um, and it obviously features an impossibly hot kind of Angelina <laughs> Yeah, exactly light, like. Um, lady. Russian uh, agent, double agent, double yeah, agent, triple agent. Yeah, she's multilingual, she's hot, she's got an ass that won't quit. She's been to her. Sparrow School where she, they just, yeah, yeah teach you
0: all manner of sexual tricks. Yeah. The so, only thing that's annoying to me in that whole book was um, that she has got this ridiculous talent. I totally know what, I know what you're
1: going to say. Yeah. Is it the colours?
0: Yes. She has this talent for like when she meets people, she sees a colour, an aura around their head that basically tells them what her character is and so she has this sort of supernatural ability like a second thank sight you kind of thing yeah um, so she's like she'll see like you know someone like you for example Annabelle with a sulfurous yellow time. no I'm okay thank you with a sulfurous <laughs> yellow mist around you and it tells yes, her that confusion. You know, yeah uh
1: <laughs> yes. yes I agree that is weapons uh,
0: weapons-grade annoying but I am
1: um, nevertheless what completely... would our
0: colors be oh uh, yours would be a nice blue do you think nice and friendly and soothing ahead and ahead? smart and pleasant
1: huh. <laughs> You'd just be blooding up through and through, wouldn't you? You'd just be like, orange,
0: orange. <laughs> like a warning. Warning, yes. get
1: away. Um, but I'm really—it's exactly the right pace because it's got sort of um, intrigue. It's got it's set in sort of Moscow, Helsinki, New York. It's kind of racing along. There's these sort of big barn door-sized characters. There's a few yucky bits. Uh, maybe squirm a bit Um, but it's it's a very taut sort of thriller so um, and because it sandwiches in very nicely with my recent viewing of the Americans I find myself sometimes questioning their tradecraft and I'm thinking like (laughs) well Elizabeth would never have done that (laughs) and then sometimes oddly enough I get characters mixed up in my head as well Phrase earlier this That's year funny. when I was reading all of those comedians' memoirs. Oh yeah, and like, right. Magda, was well, she the one that um, <laughs> she was head up, like shot up underneath the bridge in Glasgow? No, no, that was Greg Fleet. <laughs> Sorry, God, too many comedians' memoirs.
0: That's funny. I've been reading a thriller as well, which I just finished this morning, called The Dry by Jane Harper.
1: Oh, I've read that.
0: Yeah, oh, cool. Um, so it won, I think, the Victorian Premier's Prize for an unpublished manuscript, and then on, on the strength of the unpublished manuscript, it's sold into, like, 20 markets. It's been a big that. success. Um, and it was good. I enjoyed it. It's sort of set in an Australian country town, a little bit reminiscent of that other book we both read. Yes. Um, um, what it's called. Australian thriller set in a small right. country town pretended that it was a who done it, but it wasn't really a who done yes. um, it.
1: Oh, uh, so. well, okay. That's
0: just... Never mind. Family Maguire, anyway. Uh, oh, so yeah. Just search Emily Most Maguire Thriller. Emily
1: <laughs> it's really good. Well, it's called like in, uh, Unfinished Business or Incident uh, or something. The Incident something. The, oh God, um, now we're just embarrassing anyway. ourselves. Um, it's really good
0: though. But The Dry is basically a federal police officer goes back to the town that he grew up in because his childhood friend has is a farmer. His whole family's been found murdered and he appears to have committed suicide. And, the f- and farmers, killed them all. And killed them all. And the farmer's parents ask the AFP agent to come back to investigate because they'd find it too hard to believe that their son could have done that. And so and he's like a from, tax agent or something. He does financial yeah. investigations. So I'm reading that. And I also, I when I'm coming on holidays, I like to read about 30% of the first book. The book I'm going to read on the plane, I like to read about 30% before I board the plane. So I find it very hard to get into a book on right, the plane. Okay. sort the of distractions. Um, and so I started doing that with a book called our Souls at Night by Kent Haruf, And it was so good that I couldn't help but finish the whole thing before I came yeah. on holidays. Okay. It's about uh, two widowers in their 70s, and one day the woman shows up at the man's house who's sort of a passing acquaintance, and she says, I'm really lonely. I think you might be too. How would you feel about coming to my house every night and just sleeping in the same bed, lying oh, next to right. me, and we'll just talk? That's all I'm offering? I just get lonely? It's, the night's the worst? I get lonely? What do you reckon? And he says... Okay. Sort of is a bit complex and then it goes from there. It's a beautiful book. Really fantastic. Loved it. Oh,
1: great. Okay. I can't
0: wait to read it. Highly recommend it. Uh, And next on my, now that I've finished The Dry, I've got The Girl on the Train, which I've not read, which I keep even seeing people around the pool reading it. It's just the holiday book for the past few years. Yeah.
1: Do you know what? I read read that um, a, a couple of months ago when I wasn't on holiday. And um, and it's great. It really cracks along and you can see why people read it on holiday because it's just, you know, genuinely, like, it's nicely written. It's um, It's got uh, a reveal every couple of chapters, you right. know, so something amazing happens and then you're kind of hooked again. So right. it's very hooky. Um, right. And, yeah, and it's not, like, um... It's, it doesn't you don't really thinking oh
0: my god this is so trashy I hate myself like it's right. kind of you know it's just a great kind of yarn right um, I didn't you know a few years ago everyone read Gone Girl that was the holiday yes, book I read yeah that. I didn't love that so much so I've sort of not read The Girl on the Train because so I thought oh, it might be a bit like that um, what is it with all girl books I don't know Girl with the Dragon Tattoo yeah, yeah the Pearl Earring yeah, yeah. years ago like. Yeah. What's it, what's
1: it, what's it, um, about the grumpy old skank <laughs> I mean, that's going to be my <laughs> mine is going to be like that's your a memoir bit, title like, yeah <laughs> grumpy 40 something lady <laughs> turns up at a resort and whines about stuff while drinking a rum based cocktail that's gonna be my hit <laughs> hey, i was at the um i was uh just um hanging out next to the pool the day before yesterday and someone was reading eat pray love and oh. i was just, like, felt like going up and going hey you know did you read
0: that something call? Did you read that article though about Eat Pray Love woman leaving her husband for her best friend? Oh yeah. And deciding that she was wanted to be with her long-term. I don't know. That, I, I don't know much about. I've, I think I have read Eat Pray Love. I can't be 100% sure. I think I read it years ago. But um, that's the proper time to have read it, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm pretty sure I read it just because everyone else has read it. I can't remember anything about it. Um, anyway, that woman. So she ended up. I think she was with some bloke after Eat, Pray, Love. Maybe she met at the end of Eat, Pray, Love. I can't remember. Yeah, there's
1: some complicated personal tale there, but yeah. she's now dumped the... Him, yeah. her
0: friend whose name escapes me. can't remember. Anyway, mm-hmm. but the friend's dying of cancer, so they said we just want to be together before... Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway. Whoa. Hey, now, um, so what have you got lined... Up? Have you got any other thrillers? Um, I'm reading um, a book at the moment at the,
1: sort of the same time. I've, I've laid it aside to um, get through the Red investment Sparrow? in Red Sparrow. Um, I've been reading it for a couple of weeks. It's called Beside Myself um, by Anne Morgan. Oh, yeah. And it's just sort of like a like New York Times bestseller. Oh, yeah. I don't know. It might be a. I think it's. I think it's newish. I don't know. I never know. Like, I'll be like, Anna Karenina, it's this new book. <laughs> get into it. <laughs> I'm just an idiot. With this. I'm paying attention and still I'm an idiot. Like, constantly uh. I get this, like, people going, go, well, what, every person in the world has read this. Why have you not heard of it? Mm-hmm. Um, Anne Patchett, <laughs> I only heard of recently. How is that? Anyway. So, um. I uh, I brought Bel Canto actually. For oh yeah, yet. you'll like actually. that. Yeah. yeah, I haven't um, I haven't um, revolved yet. that to the top. Of pile yet, but right. So beside myself, it's quite a, um, it's quite a neat little premise actually for a plot. It's about these um, twin girls who are identical to look at but are um, very different in character, um, called Helen and Eleanor and um, Helen is very much the sort of the leader and Eleanor is the sort of put upon down problem follow up. And one day they play this game where they swap roles and normally their um, mum can tell them apart because just of their demeanour. And so they go home after playing in the park and um, Eleanor is pretending to be the sort of um, leader and Helen is pretending to be the sort of subservient one. And the mother buys it and suddenly Eleanor decides that she likes being that character and so she won't relinquish the role oh. and so for the rest of their lives you know wow so it's kind of like quite cute uh, in a way I mean like it's kind of a an, an interesting plot device I don't think it really survives but um, and I find in the book a, a bit annoying because um, the the fake Helen goes on to become this sort of television actor. And um, and Eleanor gets sort of rattled by drugs and abuse, and you know blah blah blah. So I, I yeah, I'm not I'm not super loving it. Right. Um, right. So well. get, and, and also it's quite like it's it's a bit gritty. Um, for holiday consumption, really, because you're yeah. still be like, oh
0: god, what? Oh. Yeah. Well, that's, that was the thing with the dry that we both said it starts yeah. with a pretty torrid scene of some blowflies on some dead bodies, and you're like, oh, really? I don't want to be into this, but yeah. You
1: know. Yeah, which I mean, it, it is actually, and um, the dry is like really gripping and really I yeah, think, well done. It is. But I got, I just thought that the the language in the first couple of pages was very florid, and there was this like. You know how sometimes your oh, writer, you feel like a writer's going out of their way to um, speak speaking over what appears to be an orgasm <laughs> occurring <throwing laughs> elsewhere in the
0: venue?
1: <laughs> I'll have one. I, I, was <laughs> thinking,
0: I was thinking it translated as, wife and friend and your husband are sick of minding the children <laughs> no, no. in the pool, wrap it up.
1: What about that rugby team that was, like, working out on the beach? Oh, like, that you know, was last tough. You cracking And, me and up. there were just these men that were basically homoerotically <laughs>
0: oiling each other up. <laughs> so they were quite a super good rugby team. I yeah, think. that was pretty – you were cracking me up with your lines about that, none of which is suitable for public consumption. Yeah. I'm afraid, people, sometimes I get some little Annabelle crab treats just oh, for yeah. myself. Hey, um, I think i better wrap it up, actually. So, um, yeah, it's been nice. We've got pools to sit by, cocktails to sip. We've got nothing to do. We'll allow you to go, in the words of um, Lena Lamont in um, Singing in the Rain, you can we, go back to your humdrum little lives. Of course, thanks for being singing in the rain. It? Yes. It's tragic. All right, talk to you when we're back in Don't forget to today. go to the website. <laughs> Just rub some salt into the wound. We're going to get so good at doing that now. Don't go to the website. If there's a spike, Brendan's going to be so upset. All right, bye. Bye.